All right, all right, all right. Good morning, everybody. Again, uh, let's just tear right into it. I want to start out this morning with a little group participation. Uh, I'm, we're going to do a, a, a poll. So I'm going to do a show of hands kind of a thing. This is a question about Christmas. Some of you know that we're in December now. Uh, so with that in mind, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say Christmas... Uh, I'm going to say Christmas makes me feel like I'm going to give you three choices. You can only raise your hand for one. Now, I'll tell you what they are before so you don't have to be like, well, maybe owner is, and then you don't know what the next one is and whatever. Everybody will know all the information that they need to know. Now, I want to say this. Do not feel any pressure to raise your hand because everybody else has their hands raised. Or don't feel like I shouldn't raise my hand because nobody has their hands raised. Honesty is always the best policy. So here we go. Christmas makes me feel like, here are the three options. One, I'm losing my mind with anticipation and delight. Okay, that's one. Option number two, Christmas makes me feel like I just want to hide in a cave. Option number three is Christmas makes me feel like, wait, what? It's Christmas again? Like the year goes so fast. All right, so here are your three options. You've heard them. Now let's vote. Christmas makes me feel like I'm losing my mind with anticipation and delight. Hands. Hands up. See, Seth, I don't want you to go, yeah, because that makes people feel pressure to, to raise their hand. So hands down. I'm messing with you, man. That was great. All right, here's the next thing. Christmas makes me feel like I want to hide in a cave. Anybody want to hide in a cave? I, they're like kind of, sort of, and Ted's just going for it. I see over here. I'm sure. No. Yeah. All right. Here's the next one. Christmas makes me feel like, wait, what? It's Christmas again? Yeah. So anybody who's young who have your hands up, come on. Come on. That's for, that's for our more seasoned people. We raise our hands for that because the years go by so fast. It's crazy. It's crazy. Anyway, so for most people, and when I say most people, I mean most people, well, okay, most people under a certain age, Christmas is a season of anticipation because you get gifts. Oh, oh man. I mean, you want to see how early a kid can get up Christmas morning. It's crazy. You know what I'm talking about. So uh, I want you to know that uh, I want to show you a video that, that kind of when I say anticipation, I can't do justice to just how much anticipation some people feel about this season. So I want to show you a video. Enjoy this video right now. Yeah, I know. So here's the crazy thing. That last kid, did you see what he got? That was a Nintendo 64. Oh, I remember being that kid. I got a Nintendo 64 and you couldn't like punch the smile off my face for the entire year. It was incredible. So this month, it's about anticipation. For so many people, they're just like super excited. And I want to invite you to be excited about the best thing. About the best thing. And so we're starting a series right now that is called Unwrapped. And over the next four weeks, we're going to dive into the Bible and we're going to look at what it means to be excited about the best gift. The best gift. And so we are starting a four-week um, time of the year that's called Advent. And I don't know if you've ever heard that word before. Probably a lot of you have, and I have. I, I mean, I've heard it so many times. But I've never really, like, dug into what it really means. So I don't know if you've actually, like, flipped open a dictionary and like, let's see what Advent means. Probably not, because you're normal. So, so I went and I looked up. If you, by the way, if you have looked it up, 
you're normal too. I don't know why I said it like that. Anyway, so the definition of Advent is this. Don't miss this. The arrival of someone notable. Not something notable, but someone notable. So I want you guys to remember that, that, that Advent is about someone, not something. That's a big distinction to make. We're not celebrating something, but we're celebrating someone. Now, now we've seen kids who are, who are excited about receiving something. What does it mean to be excited about someone? And so you might be like, James, come on, what are you going like, to celebrate? Like, how excited can you really be about somebody coming and stuff? Well, I have an example of somebody who was very excited about somebody that was coming. Let's watch this video clip real quick. <laughs> okay, okay. That's what it looks like to be excited that someone is coming. And so, so Advent. Advent is about our excitement over someone coming. And Advent is about the, the greatest gift, the greatest someone that came, which is Jesus. Jesus. And so I, like, I, I want to like set the stage for, for this story that I'm going to share with you. Because like, we, like Jesus came 2,000 years ago. So the idea of waiting for Jesus to come is completely foreign to us. But the story that I'm going to tell you, this is, this, is, uh, this is so much more normal than our experience. And the reason why I say that is that humans have been around for a long time, much longer than 2,000 years. And, and Jesus was prophesied about, he was like, like God used prophets, his mouthpiece, and told people, hey, there's going to be somebody coming. And, and over the course of a couple thousand years, people heard that there was going to be a Savior, that there was going to be a Messiah. And so if you read through the Old Testament, books like Daniel and Zechariah, and, and, and I wrote other names down, Jeremiah, and, and where is it at on here, and Micah, and Isaiah, you read Men who were divinely appointed by God to be his mouthpiece to say things about who this Messiah was going to be. And they had to wait. And I'm not do, doing justice to that statement. Let me say that again. And I want the weight of it, different kind of a weight. I want, I want you to feel the heaviness of this statement. They had to wait. I'm going to read you guys a verse from Isaiah. It's going to be up on the screens. This is Isaiah 9-6. It says this, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This is Jesus. This is who Jesus is going to be, a Wonderful Counselor, a Mighty God, an Everlasting Father, a Prince of Peace. Do you want to know how many years before Jesus arrived on the scene these words were spoken? 700. 700 years before Jesus showed up, these words were spoken. People had to wait for seven, like 700 plus years for Jesus to show up. Now here's what's significant about that. Think about what was 700 years ago from right now. 1300s. Does anybody know what was happening in the 1300s? Sure, yeah. Well, let me give you two examples of things that weren't happening and two things that were happening. The first is the Renaissance hadn't happened yet. That was in the 1400s. Do you want to know what else hadn't happened? Christopher Columbus. Remember Christopher Columbus sailed the ocean blue 1492? That was like 200 years after, like 700 years from the past. Here's two things that were happening in the 1300s. The first is the plague. 25 million people just in the 
continent of Europe died because of the plague. The percentage of people, it was a crazy high percentage. This was 700 years ago. That feels like so long ago. Here's another thing that happened in the 1300s. The Bible was translated from Latin into English. 700 years ago, the Bible became readable to you and me. Unless you read Latin, and if you do, you should be up here and I should be down there. So, 700 years ago, that is a long time to wait for anything. Anything. And yet, that was what the culture was doing. Where, where the prophets spoke the words, and the people heard the word, and then they passed it down. They talked about it as families around the dinner table. They went, they went to, the, to, the, to the temple, to the synagogue, to their version of church, and talked about who this Messiah was going to be. And they talked about it to their kids, who grew up and talked about it to their kids, who grew up and talked about it to their kids, and on and on and on and on. And there was this anticipation of something that was the greatest gift that was to come. Hmm, 700 years. That's a lot of waiting. Anybody in here... I don't expect any hands to go up, but is anybody in here, do you think you're really good at waiting? Raise your hand if you think you're really good at waiting. This is an honest bunch of people. Waiting is terrible. Nobody likes to wait. If you think you're good at waiting, get, get into a long line of traffic. See how good you are at waiting. I hate waiting. I hate waiting. I hate going to the doctor's office and spending more than 30 seconds in there. I want to be in. That doctor needs to see me now. I, like, I, when I go into a restaurant, I want to be seated immediately. I don't want to wait there. I don't want to get a pager. Pagers are for chumps. I want to go right in. I don't like waiting in lines of traffic. I don't like waiting in lines, period. Waiting is no good. And then you hear these kinds of phrases. I'm going to stand really... Ready? Good things come to those who wait. Garbage. Here's the next thing. Some things are worth waiting for. No, that, okay, those are true. Some things are worth waiting for. Now ask yourself this question. What's worth waiting your whole life for? I'll ask you a question. I'll ask you this question again. What's worth waiting your whole life for? Because I'm going to tell you a story from Luke chapter 2 about a guy named Simeon. And Simeon waited his whole life for a moment. One. One one moment. And so if you have your Bible, I want to invite you to turn to Luke chapter 2. If you don't, the words are going to be on the screen. They're going to be bold and they're going to be underlined and that's going to be super helpful. So, so enjoy the screens as well. So here we go. So we've got this guy named Simeon. So Luke chapter 2, 25 and 26. Here it is. It says, now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. Let me pause right there. Anybody know what the name Simeon means? I didn't either till like two days ago. Let me tell you what it means. It means, let me find it, it means God has heard. God has heard. You know what I like to think about when I think of that statement, God has heard? I like to think about somebody who's living their life alongside God. They're buddies. Not only is God speaking to Simeon, but Simeon is speaking to God and God is hearing him. It's like we're doing life in step with one another. God has heard. That was his name, Simeon. Simeon, who was righteous and devout, he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. We're going to hit that, like consolation, what a weird word. And the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. So it says right there, 
it says in verse 25 that Simeon was righteous and devout. There it is. He lived his life alongside God. He lived his life alongside of him. He was a man of great faith. And then, it, and then it says, he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Now, consolation, like I said, is a weird word. Let me break it down for you. Consolation means comfort. He was waiting for the comfort of Israel. Why did Israel need to be comforted? Well, let me tell you why. Israel, they were kind of idiots. What I mean by that is that God would give them clear directions. This is how I want you to live. This is how I want you to, these are the commandments I want you to follow. And if you read through the history of Israel, they blew it over and over and over and over again. By the way, we're not better than them, but they blew it over and over and over again. And so along the way, they, the, like the, the people of Israel had crazy hardships. They were enslaved. They were extradited. They, they were nomads. They had terrible kings. They were ruled by lots of evil kings. And so if there was a group of people that needed comfort, it was them. And so Simeon waited for the comfort of Israel. The comfort of Israel. And then it says, not only was he waiting for that, but there was something significant about him along the way, and it was that the Holy Spirit was on him. The Holy Spirit was on him. Now, when I think about what that means, this, the Holy Spirit on him, this is what I think about. Kind of all the rage right now, have you guys seen, like, like right now, everybody's like, I need a weighted blanket. Does anybody here have a weighted blanket? Weighted blanket? Oh, no, good, throw it. You want one. Rob, I just did you a huge favor, dude. Christmas present, get it for your wife. Weighted blanket. Hey, weighted blanket. I know that Maris just bought a weighted blanket for Jess. They're kind of all the rage right now. Because there's something that's like just good about like you're laying in bed and there's like just the right amount of weight on you. It's like you can return to a childlike state. Weighted blanket. When I think about the Holy Spirit being like on him, I think about it like resting on him. It wasn't like so much weight that it crushed him. It wasn't that... He was like, where are you, Holy Spirit? It's that it was just right. It was right, and the Holy Spirit was on him. And because of that, because of that, he was able to hear from the Holy Spirit. His, his choices were, were guided by the Holy Spirit. He could hear from the Holy Spirit. And so, in verse 26, it said, he, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Why is that significant? Why is that a big deal? Well, we don't know this for a fact, but it is widely known that Simeon was very old. He was very old. He was an old man. He was a man of great age and great faith. And so, I don't know when the Holy Spirit had revealed that to him, but I am, I'm guessing that it had been a long period of time that he'd had to wake up countless days after days, after days, after days, knowing maybe today's the day. Maybe this is the day where I get to stand face to face with the Messiah. Maybe today is the day. Why else is it important? Why else is this important? That, 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 that he was told that he would not die before he had seen the Messiah. Well, let me tell you this. In the culture at that time, I could stand right here and say, my favorite color is green. Do you believe me? Do you believe me? Well, 
It can't be confirmed unless I have witnesses who stand up here and say, you know, like Emily comes up here and she's like, I'm married to him. He has like 75 green shirts. He's got green socks. Uh, he painted our bedroom green. We have got green cards. Like this would be a, a witness to the fact that I love green. And in order in Jewish court, in order for, for a testimony to be found true, you had to have two to three witnesses who would confirm it. And so what we have here is the second witness. The first witness was, the, it was the shepherds. When Jesus was born in the manger, God sent the shepherds. And the shepherds were witnesses. And what does it say at the end of the story? They went out and told everybody that they knew, hey, we've seen the Savior. We've seen the Messiah. So now here in Luke chapter 2, which is after Jesus has been born, we have a second witness who stands in front of people. A man of great faith, a man of influence, standing and saying, I've seen the Savior. We'll get to that. And then the next thing is, and we're not going to talk about this, but there's another person that's mentioned in Luke chapter 2. Her name was Anna, and she was also a woman of great faith. And she also testified to Jesus being the Messiah. She testified to Jesus being the Messiah. And so as we move on in Luke chapter 2, 27 through 28, it says, he was moved by the Spirit. Again, here we see it again. Moved by the Spirit, living life in step with the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit guiding his steps. He, Simeon, went into the temple courts, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required. That's a lot. Let's break it down. He went into the temple courts. He went into the temple courts. Now, here's what's significant. He could have woken up that day and been like, can't go to the temple today. Or he could have been like, I'm an old man. My feet hurt. I'm not going into the temple today. He could have done all of those things. But he followed the prompting of the Spirit. And that day he went to the temple courts. And it was in faithful obedience that he got to witness what his whole life had been about. And so he went to the temple courts and the parents, Mary and Joseph, Jesus' parents, they brought him to do what the custom of the law required. Here's what that means. On the eighth day of a child's life, parents had to bring them into the temple, circumcise them, and, and present offerings on their behalf. This was Jewish law at the time. So they were doing this. Now, 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 don't miss this next thing. Verse 28. This is a huge thing. Simeon took him in his arms and praised God. Stop there for a second. Simeon was an oldish man. He had been a faithful, devout man. More than likely, he had spent a lot of days in the temple. And there were a lot of eight-year-old babies that he had probably seen brought into the temple. I'd like to say he'd probably seen thousands of them. And yet, with every single one of those babies, not the Messiah, not the Savior, but this one was the Savior. Now, let me just throw a little thing on the back end, which is this. Imagine if you had a newborn child. You've brought him to the temple to do these things, and all of a sudden there's kind of an oldish man who walks up to you and says, I want to hold your baby. That's kind of a weird thing, right? That's a strange thing. It just goes to show how God was all over the story. Mary didn't think it was weird. Joseph didn't think it was weird. Simeon is there, takes the baby, and these are the words that he says. These words are incredible. In verse 28, 29, sorry, he says, Sovereign Lord, his words, spoken out loud, a man of great faith. He says, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised. Can God lie? No. 
Can God be unfaithful to the things that he says he'll do? No. As you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. In a little bit, I'm going to look at the verses following it, but let's hang out here for a second, this idea of being in peace. A man who had chosen every day to live his life with with God. A man who had chosen to be faithful. A man who had chosen to obey God at every step is now living in the moment that had been promised to him. I can't imagine what that would have been like. But it says, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. What does it mean to be in peace? So for me, I can't explain, like I don't have a a formula for when this happens, but there are just certain times in my life where all of the circumstances of life are just right, where I find myself, I, I don't think about it, it just like comes out of me, where I say these words, there is no better place than right here, right now. There's no better place than right here, right now. And for me, like I said, I, I, don't, I can't explain it. It just happens sometimes. Well, the last time that I had that feeling, I have a picture. Emily and I were just on a vacation. We were on a cruise. And there was, there was a, a point in one of our days where we were sitting up on the very top deck at the very back of the ship. That's the wake. And we were up there, and the weather was perfect. And the clouds we're providing just a little bit of shade and there was a, the right amount of wind and right behind us there was a there was a place where we could get drinks and you can see there are no waves it is a smooth sea and we were sitting there in these incredibly comfortable chairs just the two of us not that I don't love my kids but just the two of us and I had that feeling there's no better place than right here right now It's an incredible feeling. It's an incredible feeling. And when when Simeon says, peace, he's taking this feeling and multiplying it times a million. A million. And the reason why is because of what I said. A man of great age who had lived faithfully for a single moment, and here he is now in this moment. He's done everything right just for right now, and here he is. You want to put verse 29 back up again? Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. You see a man whose soul is full. He's at rest. I made it. There were days where I probably didn't feel like I had the strength to get to the temple. There were probably days where I felt like this could be my last day. But I fought on because my God had promised me something and today is the day. Here is the moment. And so in verse 30 he says, for my eyes have seen your salvation which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. So in verse 30 he says, my eyes have seen your salvation. When, 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 when people were sitting around their tables talking about the Messiah, there were a lot of misconceptions about who he would be. A lot of people thought that, that the Messiah was going to be a king, like an earthly king. And, and, and at the time that Jesus showed up, the nation of Israel was under the oppression of the Roman Empire. And life was incredibly difficult for people from Israel. And so a lot of people were like, 
the Messiah is going to come and he's going to ride in on a horse with a gigantic sword and he's going to crush all of Rome and he's going to take the throne in Rome and all of the nations around us that have been ruling us, he's going to go in there and fight them all and, and they're going to be our servants, they're going to be our slaves, he's going to be the king of the king of the king of the kings. There were a lot of people that thought that. And yet in this moment, Simeon has the right perspective. He says, my eyes have seen your salvation. He sees that it's bigger than an earthly throne. Salvation. It's about something spiritual. It's about something happening in our hearts, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles. Again, this is really crazy forward thinking because people thought that the Messiah was for them. If you were a Jewish person, you're like, he's coming for us. And we're going to go wreak havoc on the rest of the world. And what Simeon is saying is, nah, nah, what? It's too small of a thing for the Messiah to come for just us. He's coming for the world. He's coming for the world. And I am sitting in a room right now. I don't know this. I don't know if any of you in here are of a Jewish heritage. But more than likely, you can say, I'm a Gentile. We're Gentiles. And Jesus came for us. It wasn't just for the Jewish people. He came for us. We're included in that party for all the nations to the Gentiles. It's so incredibly cool. It's so unbelievably cool. And so, those were the end of his words to Jesus. The end of his words about who Jesus was going to be. And the very next the very next verse is, in verse 33, the child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if you're Mary and Joseph and this, this man is holding your baby saying these kinds of words about him? Wow, what a powerful moment. What a powerful moment. And I wish that it just ended right there. But we have a few more verses. Verse 34 and verse 35. So it says, Simeon blessed them. He offered them words of encouragement. And then after he offered them words of encouragement, then the tables turned a little bit. But, but here's what's cool. All right, so I'm a dad. I've got three kids. And I fight with God over knowing what's happening in my kids' lives. I want to know what their futures are like. I'd love to know what Chloe's, you know, what kind of a job she's going to have, where she's going to go to college, what her husband is going to look like, what my grandkids are like. I want to know all this stuff. And it's hard not to. And so Simeon actually speaks a little bit of truth to Mary about what her future with Jesus is going to look like. And I applaud him because he spoke truth. Because it would have been really easy for him to be like, Jesus is going to be awesome. He's going to heal people and Thousands of people are going to listen to him. And he, she could have, I, Simeon could have said all these like crazy wonderful things, which would have been true. But he was honest, like incredibly honest, and gave Mary a glimpse into the future as the mother of Jesus. He said, this child is destined to cause the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. 
Simeon's saying, Jesus is coming in truth. And when he shows up with his truth, the whole way of doing things is getting flipped. The people who are at the top are going to be at the bottom. The people that are at the bottom are going to be at the top. There's going to be a lot of rising. There's going to be a lot of falling. And when people are falling, they're not going to go quietly. They're going to say terrible, terrible, horrible things about your son. And I'd, I'm not a mom. You are a mom. And I live my life with Emily. And I know that anytime my kids hurt, she hurts too. In a way that I can't. My empathy level is not capable of what she experiences. So when my kids hurt, she hurts. And he's saying, man, they are going to come after him. And I know that means they're coming after you too. That's what it's going to feel like. When they throw insults at him, when they arrest him, when they put him on trial, when they spit on him, when they beat him, when they parade him through town naked, when they nail him to a cross, when they kill him. Like, like we do this thing in our heads where Jesus rose from the dead. Oh, that's awesome. So Mary's happy. It doesn't change the fact that there was all that pain along the way. And even after Jesus rose from the grave and went to be in heaven with his father, there were still terrible, terrible, horrible things happening in Jesus' name. There were terrible things happening to people who followed Jesus. It was not easy to be Mary. And I feel like I just like disconnect from that in some ways. The pain of a mother. And yet Simeon was giving her just a touch of truth. He was prophesying about the future of Jesus' life. Man, this is cool. I love this story. I love it so much. Because it's just such a cool picture of what it means to faithfully wait. To faithfully wait and to trust the promises of God. And so right now, for all of us, as we enter into this season of anticipation of the one that is coming, of this notable person that is coming, I want you to remember these three things. One, that God always fulfills his promises. The second thing I want you to remember is that you can trust that no matter how dark your life gets, that God offers us a consolation, a comfort, a weighted blanket in Jesus. And the third thing that I want you to, to, to remember this Advent season is that I want you to take steps, intentional, purposeful steps to get ready to receive the gift of the Savior, the gift of the Messiah. God gave all of us a great gift when he sent his son Jesus to the earth. He said, man, I got you. You'll find forgiveness for your sin in my son's blood. You'll find forgiveness for the terrible things that you've done and the things that you will do in my son Jesus. What a great gift. In Jesus, we can find restoration of our relationship with God. We don't have to cringe in fear over where we stand with God. We can stand blameless, confident, strong, knowing that Jesus made us right with God. What a great gift. 
In Jesus' name, we can have new life. Here, now, a life with these gifts, peace, joy, comfort, guidance, wisdom, purpose. What a great gift. What a great gift. And so as I conclude our time, I want you to think about this. When Simeon was holding Jesus in his arms, I like to think that in his soul, he was reacting like those kids reacted to their presence on Christmas morning. He was a little bit freaking out inside because he was so excited. And I like to think that after he gave baby Jesus back to Mary, and, and I don't know if he had a day left, seven days left, a year. I don't know how much longer after that moment he lived, but I like to believe that he told every single person he knew that he had held the Savior, that he had seen the Savior. He was as excited about that moment as Buddy had been about seeing Santa. I like to believe, actually I don't even like to believe, I know, I know that this moment made Simeon's life complete because he said it. I'm at peace. It made his life complete. But this is what's exciting. I'm gonna, I, I, sorry, I keep saying this. I'm gonna finish with this. If you're right with Jesus, if you know your sin, if Jesus is your savior, if heaven is in your future, you will step foot in heaven. You know who's gonna be there? Simeon. You're gonna get to see him face to face. You're gonna get to ask him what that moment was like. Dude, what was it like? You saw thousands of babies. How did you know it was him? What was it like when you, did, did, did he burp? Did, did he like, did he, did he go to the bathroom while you were holding? Like, what, what was that moment like? Like, we're gonna get to ask him. This is awesome. Simeon, was it ever hard for you? Was it ever hard for you to make the right choice, to be the right guy? Was there ever a moment where you questioned God's faithfulness, that you thought maybe he wasn't gonna come through on his promise? Was there ever a moment like that? We get to have that conversation with him. Wow. His life, this story, it's an example of hoping and waiting and preparing for the coming of the Messiah, for the coming of Jesus, which is what Advent is all about. So I want to ask you, are you getting ready to receive God's gift? Let's pray. God, I pray for our time, this time, God, for, for most of us, we've had a lot of Christmases. And we've probably had a lot of December 1sts where we've said, this one's going to be different. I'm going to focus less on food, family, decorating my house, putting up lights. I'm going to focus less on giving gifts, receiving gifts. I'm going to focus more on you this Christmas. And more than likely, we have blown it a lot. And so God, I pray that this Christmas would be different that you would do the work that only you can do in each and every one of our hearts to prepare us for the truth of the gift that was your son, Jesus. That's what, that's what Christmas is about. Connecting with your heart through the great sacrifice that you made sending your son to die.
I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.